0: When you hear the word gentleness, what do you think of? Or who do you think of? When you hear the word gentleness, who do you think of? Do you think of somebody in your family? Do you think of somebody here in the church? Maybe you think of somebody in a novel or someone from a movie. Gentleness, what does it mean? Well, here in this well-loved passage, Jesus reveals his heart in a special way. This is Jesus telling us about himself, and he says that he is gentle, and that he is lowly in heart. So what is gentleness? And why is compassion and gentleness one of our key practices as followers of the way of Jesus, as apprentices of Jesus, as those who abide with him and obey what he says and then become like him, Are his image bears here. What does this mean to be gentle? Well, can I show you something strange here from the text we've just read? Something that I think might take us aback for a moment and have us reassess what it means to be gentle. So let's read the passage right before the text that we just read because the very first words of the text we just read say, at that time. Well, what time is it referring to? At what time did Jesus say these words about being gentle and lowly? So let's back up and go to verse 20. Here's what Jesus says. Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. And so Jesus said, Woe to you, Chorazin, which is a city. Woe to you, Bethsaida, another city. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. Okay. (laughs) That's a hard passage. That's a hard passage, isn't it? Those are strong words. Those are are bold words. The Bible can be so strange and, and unexpected. Now, these words of Jesus don't seem all that nice, do they? These words... Whoa, and and no more tolerating and judgment this is not the stuff you put on your coffee mug right unless it's one of those ironic coffee mugs that you're giving to someone right because these words they're they're set in a jarring way disturbingly before our passage where we hear about rest and jesus meek and mild so how does all this connect what then does it mean to be gentle and lowly in heart Well, this is an important question because, again, as apprentices of Jesus, we are those who are to abide with him, to dwell with him, to to obey what he says, and then to image him in this world. So how was it that Jesus was gentle? How was it that he was lowly in heart? Because we are to be gentle and lowly in heart. Well, let's focus now in on verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All right, what, what is Jesus saying and why is he saying it? Well, first off, notice that this is an open invitation. Jesus has just opened his arms. He is inviting people into his life. And this is a wonderful thing, isn't it? To be invited into a life of goodness, a life of love. This is an incredible thing. Love invites others into its life that's what love does it opens its arms and invites others in this is what jesus does now who is invited the weary the fatigued, the exhausted the burdened, those carrying back breaking weight the struggling the stumbling the, the people who don't have their stuff together that means all of us right that means all of us are invited in this is a call to all humanity. In, in our sin, we are burdened. Humanity is burdened by our indwelling sin, our failures, our warped expectations, the, pre- the pressures to perform, to, to be someone. But Jesus isn't inviting us into some elite clique. This is a call to all humanity. And, and what does he give? What does this invitation bring to us? Well, rest, peace, peace. A heart put back into socket after a long dislocation. Shalom, all the pieces brought back together. In His mercy, He dispenses grace. Jesus says yes to us. What a thought that Jesus would say yes to us. And this verse shows the compassion of God. He sees the burden, He sees the broken, He sees the suffering, He sees the struggling, and He invites them. In, to share his heart, to heal, to restore, to to bind them up. So do you see the the compassion of Jesus just bleeding through this passage? In fact, one of the most often used descriptors of Jesus in the Gospels is compassionate. And the word literally means like a love from from the guts, from the intestines. This deep-seated love that comes up and out to care for other people. It's very action-oriented, it's not an abstraction. And so he feels with us, and he feels for us. His heart is drawn to the hurting, to those who are in need. This is why we read in Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 36, the following words. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Compassion, what is it? What does it mean? St. Augustine said it incredibly well. This is from his book, The City of God. He asks, what is compassion? What is compassion but a kind of fellow feeling in our hearts for another's Misery. But then he goes on. Which compels us to come to his help by every means in our power. By every means in our power. That is what Jesus does. Now if we look back at Matthew 11, 28 through 30 here, uh, we see that this peace and this rest that, that comes to the weary and the burden, it comes in the form of a yoke, which is a strange image because a yoke is a wooden collar. It's a harness put on oxen to have them pull together. It's, a, it's an instrument of work, of sweat, of effort, of labor. It's a tool to link up one ox with another so they can pull together so things can be planted so there, there can be flourishing. There can be fruitfulness but this yoke of Jesus is, is an easy yoke. And that word easy actually uh, can be translated as kind or good. It's a kind or, or good yoke. The burden is light. It is a good and loving thing. And interestingly enough, uh, the word yoke was used to talk about a rabbi's teaching. You would take on the rabbi's yoke, which meant you would take on their teaching. You would link up with that rabbi. You would walk at pace with them. You would learn from them. And their ways would become your ways. And you would be working together ultimately. So Jesus says, take up my teachings. Live my way. Now, why? Why are his ways rest bringing ways? Well, because he is gentle and lowly in heart. He's a good God. He doesn't crush his people. Now, those things said, then what is gentleness? What is gentleness? Well, first, gentleness is not a temperament. It's not a personality type. By the way, no personality test, strength assessment, or leadership test can be an excuse to bow out of gentleness. You know, well, I'm in a Neagram I'm an ESTJ, you know, Myers-Briggs. I'm a high D on the disc, so that's not me. So I'm out. Like, no, that's not how it works. This is something different than personality type. It's not passivity. It's not simply being nice, cordial, congenial. Or mellow. It's not simply avoiding crucial conversations. It's not being a pushover. It's not talking in a soft voice or only using positive reinforcement, although it might include those things. Gentleness. Gentleness. Gentleness is an operation of power. Gentleness is an operation of power. See, when we understand that gentleness has to do with the use of power, we begin to understand how Jesus can say the things he said about woe and judgment and then say, but I am gentle and lowly in heart. Because compassionate gentleness is stewarding power with sacrificial love. Stewarding power with sacrificial love. In our verse, Jesus says that they should come to him because he is is gentle in heart not because he speaks in soft, hushed tones, but because he uses power in loving and sacrificial ways. His point is that people are under cruel taskmasters. They're crushed by destructive religious impulses, by tyrannical ideologies, oppressive cultural expectations, systems that abuse power, unjust systems, and supernatural powers that break, burden, and afflict God's image bearers. And he, Jesus on the other hand, uses his power compassionately to love others, to heal, to liberate, to redeem, to restore. He has a heart for the weary, the sick, the sinner, the rebel, and the poor. He does not heap upon them guilt or condemnation or shame. He does not coerce, bully, berate, or exasperate. Now, if this is gentleness, if it's not a personality trait, then it is something that we are all called to as followers of this compassionate master. We all have power, you know, all of us. Parents, you have God-granted power. You are bigger and stronger than your kids, at least for a while. You can intimidate with your physical size, your force, and your volume. You have monetary power over them. You have the power of words to bless or to curse them, and it will affect their whole lives. Have you ever been not so gentle with your kids and in a moment of exasperation you needed a pressure relief valve so you yelled and and you used power in a non-sacrificial way children you have power you have power to express love and affection to respect or you can withhold all that have you ever snubbed your parents Given them the cold shoulder, said something mean just because you wanted something and you had no concern about, about your parents' view or the burdens they carried or were shouldering. Employers, power is granted to you. Have you intimidated? Use your position to bully, to manipulate? Do you push, prod, and coerce rather than serve and lead? Church leaders, power has been granted to you, to us. Have we intimidated? Use position to bully and manipulate. Have you ever lorded over someone with a title, a role, credentials to make somebody do something that you want them to do? Have you ever used scripture like a mugger's knife rather than a surgeon's scalpel? Happens all the time. Church, all of us, have you used the power that God has given you for the good of others in sacrificial ways? You have relational influence. You have your technology, your tools, your reasoning abilities, your finances. Have you used these forms of power compassionately for the love of others? See, many of us have been apprentices to the culture of outrage. We've been apprentices to the culture of fear-mongering. Apprentices to the culture of blame-shifting, the culture of bullying and browbeating and moral superiority. Friends, there's a lot we could talk about regarding this, but the best way to understand compassionate gentleness is this. Look at the cross of Jesus. Look at the cross of Jesus. Jesus is not concerned about justifying himself and saving his reputation, but his merciful purpose is there to justify humanity and to redeem the lost. The cross of Jesus is the ultimate act of compassionate gentleness there on the cross. He was Mocked, he was told to prove himself. He could have had an army of angels come down, lift him up off the cross, and shown everybody what was really going on. But in his merciful grace, in his power, he restrained power to lift others up. The cross is that great moment of sacrificial love, of power used for the good of other people. Such power to restrain oneself to endure injury with patience, to operate out of mercy rather than resentment, to give oneself for the healing of others, and to trust the Father and to not control the outcome, to give oneself entirely. That is the practice of compassionate gentleness. And this is the shimmering beauty of compassionate gentleness. Jesus has been gentle towards us. He's entered into our suffering to bless us, and he's empowered us by his Spirit now. To practice compassionate gentleness. So may we steward the power that God has so graciously granted us. May we steward it with a sacrificial love that honors our King. Alright, my friends, we have the opportunity today to enter into this practice of compassionate gentleness in a in a really, really powerful way. And so um, what I would like to do at this time is I'd like to call up Dr. Neudeling Vargas. So Dr. Vargas, would you would you join us? Would you help me in welcoming Dr. Vargas? We go. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, uh, as Brian said when, when we began, uh, Dr. Vargas uh, came all the way from the Dominican Republic. Uh, just a few hour flight, <laughs> a long day for you yesterday. And uh, she is a neurosurgeon. Um, She's a follower of Jesus and uh, a passionate supporter of, of compassion. And you'll see why here in, in just a moment. I want to say thank you. For being here thank you for taking time when we talked this past week uh, I realized you had quite a busy schedule I think it was you're coming off of a 13-hour surgery for after you know right before a zoom call so thank you for being here Um, I'm gonna let my words be few Um, so I want to I want to begin by asking you would you share an overview of your story with us so the family can get to hear
1: first I want to say thank you for the invitation it's a honor to be here with you guys today It's amazing to see the word of God in our life every day. I want to start saying, I'm from the Dominican Republic. I born in the north of the country, but due to the lack of jobs and work for my parents, we moved to the east. The east of the country is a sugar cane field. I I don't know if you haven't seen the movies, like black people working very hard in this, uh, producing the sugar cane. I still remember this neighborhood, we don't have like sanitary system, we don't have like uh, water, clean water for a drink, and the houses were made like with very bad materials, even when there were raining, most of the raining get in the house, and then the, 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 the floor were full of wood, it was something very unconvenient, I remember still my mother, when when she left work, she said, hey, guys, there's a food in the, in the table, so you have to choose when to eat it in the morning, in the lunch time, on dinner. Because by that time, we were really having a really hard situation in our house. And also my mother, she always uh, wanted to us when to school to study. But by that time, um, one day I remember she bring a notebook, and she break in three pieces and she said, okay, guys, you need to go to school, but we don't have school supplies for each. So you guys are going to share the pencil and the notebook. And for me and my two brothers, she broke the, the piece of um, or notebook. I was not happy at all with that situation as a kid. <laughs> I said, but, you know, my friends, they have their notebook completely. And she said, you know, that's the things we can have for now. And that time was... Uh, very um, sad for us, but one day I remember uh, the person, Christian person came to our house and they were start talking about Jesus, how Jesus can change life. But by that time, we were not interested in hearing what you have to say. But then they said, you know, we work at an organization called Compassion and Compassion provides food to the kids. So by that time, our parents just opened their eyes and they said they give us school mm-hmm. supplies for the kids they provide um, different classes so they can get a skill for life. They will learn a lot of stuff. And also they said, we're going to help uh, your communities like bringing Clean Water and Bubba the Street. And also, we want to skill the fathers so to, to they can learn some skills so they can provide for their families. I think that was one of the best days of my life. My parents were very happy. And I remember the last day, we were at the Compassion Center. And that day, um, they provide us food. And all the kids were so happy. And the the first time I eat chicken, I was eight years old. And when I saw that in the plate, I tell to my, uh, in compassion, that's a real chicken. You have to be kidding me. That was what people say, it's so good. Maybe for many people, this is not something special, but for us, for our community kids, it was something like really amazing. And for so many reasons, compassion changed our life in the community. We were not starving at school anymore because compassion provide the meals for us. So we don't have to cherish no food because compassion provide us through the church like uh, no food for ours for our students. And when you finish the high school, I remember I was like, okay, I finished high school, what's next? And Compassion have a special program for a young leader of their communities called LDP program. Mm-hmm. And they provide a scholarship for outstanding uh, kids. I don't think I, w- I was standing, but <laughs> I did what I can. And when I finished, I tell my professors like, you know, what I'm going to do now, what's the next? And she said, well, uh, there is a program for compassion kids. If you you know you have to apply, they just give like 20 scholarships for hundreds of kids from the country. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I'm going to I'm going to try, but I don't think so. I will get the scholarship because there's so many smart people in this uh, classroom. And I start to studying to being a professor. So I don't want it to be a professor, but that was the cheapest. Uh, um, um, master I can do mm. by that time so every day I went to do, um, to my classes crying, I was like well, I don't want to be a professor I want to be a doctor I don't want to be a professor So, but you know that was the things I can do by that time and one day like after six months I applied for a scholarship I remember a call from Compassion and they say hey we are calling you for compassion just letting you know you have we in the full school supplies to study, to study medicine. And I was like, wow, this is, uh, this is awesome, this is amazing. So that the same day I received that call, I called, I tell to my professors of teaching, like, you know, guys, goodbye, I'm going to do my dream. <laughs> and they said, oh, you, you must finish this uh, semester. And I said, no, 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 I, I'm leaving just today, so. I, became, I I finished and I start to do medical school. I graduate on the time I have to supposed to graduate and after that I say I want to do a neurosurgery. Mm-hmm. And everybody was like, you know Jeline, you know being a neurosurgeon is something like your father have to be a neurosurgeon before you or maybe like somebody from your family and you should be you have to know like a very nice last name. So your last name is nothing special in this country and I was like, you're right. So I went to the interview for a neurosurgery residency and I remember one of the professors said to me, Nujalin, you are so cute by that time. And he said, you should do dermatologists or plastic surgery. You will be very good in those things. And I tell him like I'm going to do neurosurgery. But by that time I couldn't approach the neurosurgery because by that time also in my country neurosurgery was not mean to females. So uh, my sponsor, from Compassion, I talked to her, and she told me, well, if you cannot do it in Dominican Republic, why don't you go to another country? So I went to Brazil, and I took the test back in Brazil, maybe seven years ago or eight years ago. And after a very long test, I approved the test, and the next, the next month, I was moving to Brazil to do neurosurgery. So mm-hmm. I graduated from neurosurgery, even I was the, the, the only black, in the group, and I was the only Latin American country, and I was the only female. So that was a very challenging uh, residency. And after that, <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Yeah. After that, I, I, my sponsor for Compassion, we always uh, after I finished my uh, residency or my Compassion program, she always was in touch with me. She asked me, so Nujul, what's next? And I was like, you know, I would like to be a school-based surgeon. That's one of the difficult uh, specialties in neurosurgery. And she asked me, where do you want to go? I said, well, there's a program in Japan. They are very good, but, you know, it's very difficult to get into this um, specialty. And she told me, you know, she always reminds myself, like, if you believe in the Lord, the Lord will give you the desire for your heart. And imagine that she's my sponsor from, well, she's not my sponsor anymore, but she used to be my sponsor by that time, 15 years she always was taking care of me in every state of my life. I I, I take the test uh, in Japan to do these tests and from many, from 45 uh, applies, I was the only one who could uh, get the scholarship. And mm-hmm. um, what can I say? I, I was the first uh, female in the um, program of Japan. If We have 150 neurosurgeons and I was the first female. and. I can tell how amazing God has been with me through Compassion and the local church. Now, I finished in Japan one year ago, and I'm back to my country. And thanks to the Lord, I'm working in the biggest hospital of um, specialties. I'm the second in a school-based um, hospital. And we are doing what we can, helping the people, giving by grace, the thing we've received by grace. And... Um, it's really amazing to see those packages back because I, remember, I I guess one day my name was in some of those packages mm-hmm. so I um, taking my name and today not because a neurosurgeon compassion provides us dreams by that time we couldn't dream before mm-hmm. and then when we start doing compassion knowing this person called Jesus that helped us and love us it gives us a really um, give you opportunity and um, dreams. That's the things I can say about compassion. Thank you very much. Amazing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Would you tell us a little bit about the letter writing and how impactful that was for you?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, every sponsor every month, every three months, send letters to their kids. So I received so many kids from my sponsor, so many uh, letters from my sponsor. And the first time I remember somebody told me, I love you, was in a letter of compassion. Wow. Because I know my parents love me, of course, because they work very hard. But by that time, they were so busy working that they don't have time to say, to tell Aww. us that they love us. And the first advice by verse of Bible that I remember was writing a letter saying, the lie, your sir in the Lord. Mm. And he will give you the sigh of your heart. And I was seven years old by that time. And now a little bit older than that. I will not tell.
0: <laughs> but
1: <laughs> I still remember the Bible verse.
0: Mm. Well, that leads us to, to Kika. Is that how you pronounce her name? Can you tell us a little bit yeah. about her and who she is? Well,
1: all the employees of Compassions are uh, people from the church. Uh, Most of the people who teach the kids are Christian people, and I remember Kika was one of the most important things in my life because they teach us, they they teach us how to pray, they teach us how to read the Bible, and even if you wanted or not to listen the 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 Bible things every day in compassion, you have to pray, you have to read the Bible, and when I was you have to listen to the pastor. pastor. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah like
1: in compassion on Sundays you have to go to your local church if you are from compassion you have to go and I think by that point we were not interested in what the bible have to say but after you know that mm. that words you know grow in your hearts and by the time it grows and make the difference and big impact in life mm.
0: that's awesome well uh, the, the church as well as compassion had, had a huge impact on you um could you tell us a little bit about the impact that the, the local church and Compassion had on your family and then also the, the community at large as well?
1: I think if, if we go into my community, like where I, where I grew up, it's so different. Mm-hmm. Like, as I told before, there was no sanitary system. There was no clean water. There's no paving the Street. And Compassion to the local church, they make many, um, many uh, charities. Like, they provide clean water for the community they start doing sanitary system where kids can go to do their necessities and their needs and also, they skill the parents, not just the kids. They skill the parents, mm. like with uh, any skill, a beauty salon, for example, bakery. Mm. Like if you don't have, you don't need to be a master in something. But if you learn and you can provide for your family, we are winning. That was what Compassion said. Mm. So I remember my mom there to do a bakery. So after that, my mom started doing bread to sell, mm. and. That was one of the things she can support our family with. This she learned from her Compassions and the Church.
0: Now, since you're back home, you've also been able to see um, other Compassion kids grow up and and go through the whole process and how it's affected them. So, do you uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you've seen there?
1: Yeah, I I really uh, amaze myself when I go to the Compassion programs and see. You know, one day I was sitting in that chair. One day I was part of this amazing program. And mm-hmm. today, wherever I, wherever I am, is because, you know, compassion through the local church. Mm-hmm. Because it's not just compassion alone. Compassion work with the church. And the church provide like the, the, the step-by-step day. Because the, they are sure you, have, you receive the things you need to receive so you can grow elderly and healthy and all those stuff. And also, I now uh, a sponsor myself. I have like ten kids being sponsored by me, and we are doing a working through compassion. Life. if there's any kids that needs uh, surgeries or father needs surgeries, so we are also working with mm. that part too.
0: That's amazing. Well, Dr. Vargas, would you? Um, uh, well, let me let me ask you this: Do you have anything that you would love to tell this this congregation? Because here we are today. We hearing about compassion we've been talking about this for a while we have these these packets um we're gonna we're gonna hear some more information about how how to sponsor how to help is there anything else that you would like to to share with us
1: sure i i want to say that every letter every money you send every prayer it means something mm-hmm. it works there are so many kids lacking of love lacking of prayer and wondering for opportunities so Every small thing you do for compassion, it means something. It's not just like oh, it's just a letter. No, it's a letter to somebody, to mm. someone that will never maybe hear that they are loved, that somebody cares for them. So, and you are giving a chance to a kid to dream. Mm. So, if you are working with compassion or you are planning to work with compassion, know that you are giving a kid to a chance to dream and to become uh, what the Lord one day became yes. to be.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Paul is back there. He's from Compassion and he, I, I went up to him right before and said, do you have any advice for me as I do this? And since we're friends and he's a funny guy back there, he's like, uh, don't mess this up because these are real kids. <laughs> 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 um, so to your point, I, I mean, each one of those packets represents a life and represents a story, an image bearer that, that God loves. And so um, thank you for, for coming and being here and opening up your heart and your story to us and um, your an inspiration. And the Lord has worked mightily in your life. So we praise him for what he's done. He is a, He's a good God and a good king. And so um, would you all say thank you to Dr. Vargas with me? Thank you so much for being here. <laughs>